0: It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The Other Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files.
1: The sun around filled with the longing searching for the truth will we make it till tomorrow Will the sun shine on you Midnight in the desert And we're listening Ooh, we're listening
2: to you right before the show. Last last night, I saw a film that I have been very, very eager to see. It's called Secret Space UFOs, Apollo 1 through 11. Now, um, I know a lot of people listen to this show because we talk a lot about space and science and things of that nature. I know a lot of other people listen to the show because we talk a lot about UFOs. And this is one of those areas where those two areas are colliding because there is incredible evidence presented in this documentary that there are very real UFO sightings on the part of the participants in the Apollo mission. It's available on Amazon. I highly recommend it. Here's a trailer to Secret Space UFOs. Yes.
0: So, I mean, it makes sense that there would be, there are sightings here. Why wouldn't there be sightings out there? You know, I, I just, it's not my area of expertise. I don't dig into, I look into the phenomenon and if it leads me to an astronaut, great. And, and if not, you know, so I just know that what I, that what Faye Ann Potter told me,
2: about her brother Buzz
0: Aldrin, that they saw something on the way to the moon. Well we we pulled most of these images from sources like the Apollo Lunar Surface Journal which is uh, actually drawing them from the scanned high-resolution NASA versions of all the handheld photography. Accomplishing this was considerably less simple it meant showing that a brand new spacecraft far more complicated than its predecessors would operate so well it could be trusted to take men well beyond near earth orbit we were that first crew that was going to get a chance to fly this vehicle and test this vehicle that was going to take human beings to the moon Let's say we know all of these applications and, and let's say it's 1960
1: and we know some of these things, right? Well, you think of the world back then. The world of 1960, no way would that world be ready for some of the intellectual realities of what we think we know now.
2: Although it is presumed that the recordings
0: were destroyed or lost, the transcriptions were made at NASA by the woman shown in this
2: image and others.
1: Which we might get in the mainstream media, the fact that we're not alone sometime in the future. These congressional hearings in which experiencers are going to...
2: The film is Secret Space UFOs. Very uh, pleased to be joined by uh, someone that's been on this program before, Darcy Weir, documentary filmmaker, who's the man behind this film, as well as Mike Barra, New York Times best-selling author in his own right and a TV personality. Gentlemen, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, Frank, thanks for having me. This is Darcy speaking.
2: And Mike, welcome aboard. It's great to have you on board as well.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Uh,
2: So, Darcy, let me begin with you. I I just played, folks, a a trailer and gave a little bit of an explanation. But what is this documentary about? Why do you want to make it?
1: Yeah, well, I've been making this documentary and a couple other documentaries in a series called Secret Space UFOs and then something else. So this one's called Secret Space UFOs Apollo 1 to 11. Um, and I really wanted to isolate things that happened not only from a technical science stand uh, standpoint, you know, for each of these Apollo missions, uh, but I also wanted to expose anomalies, UFO encounters, you know, strange things that astronauts were describing seeing, Um, and there's three different ways that we uncover that. We either look at the DAC motion picture footage, we look at the Hasselblad photography, or uh, we look at the transcripts from the Apollo missions that were recorded on something like a black box flight recorder, Um, that was installed into each of these Apollo capsules when they were on their missions. And um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to meticulously go through each mission and highlight, you know, here's some really cool scientific stuff that we did because, believe it or not, these missions were groundbreaking. And we did go to the moon and I get all kinds of crazy flat earthers and, uh, you know, folks that are moon landing deniers but i firmly believe we did go i just think that what the astronauts truly saw and what they truly experienced when they were out there in space and on the way to the moon and on the moon was heavily censored from the public and most of it was spun in a kind of like early public relations campaign Mm. To disinform the public from what possibly is out there in reality, you know, UFOs and structures that might be from, you know, either a different civilization or um, a a highly advanced version of us that we've forgotten about, uh, which, you know. That could be discussed in a further documentary but we kind of scratched the surface on weird stuff that was found on the moon in pictures and stuff um yeah and i just wanted to highlight it i think it's a really fun sure. uh theory and, and story and and it's been covered before in certain documentaries but i think i did it in a very different way and and i really went in depth uh you know and put everything in uh you know hour and 40, 44 minute Treatment.
2: Absolutely. It's uh, almost perfect. I'll give you my one lone complaint a little later. Mike Barra, uh, you're a legitimate aerospace engineering consultant. You're a lecturer, uh, co-author of uh, several New York Times bestseller, including Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA. Uh, what was your role with respect to this documentary?
0: Well, Darcy asked me to be in it as, uh, you know, one of the on-camera experts. I mean, I've been studying the moon for uh, upwards of 20 years. I used to have an old web page back in the early days called, you know, the Lunar Anomalies Home Page. And I'd just been studying it forever and got involved with Richard C. Hoagland, who was doing a lot of um, moon analysis. And a lot of the things we talked about were actually his discoveries in the, the documentary. And, you know, I mean, look, I, I agree with Darcy 100 percent. I, I don't think um people like to talk about how we faked the moon landings i mean i was involved in a show for the science channel where i had to play the the crazy conspiracy guy and pretended to believe all this stuff and it's really just it's nonsense what what people don't get is that you know the reticence of the apollo astronauts especially when they talk about that apollo 11 press conference was not because they faked anything it was because they went there and they were shaken by what they saw shaken by what they experienced and were forced basically, I think, at gunpoint to make sure that they didn't tell anybody about so, it. So, and gentlemen, th- uh, l-
2: let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, those initial Apollo <laughs> heroes, folks like uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, uh, names that are still household names. Um, and in case of Buzz Aldrin, still making a lot of news whenever he says anything about space. Why wouldn't they have been honest about what they saw? Uh, you both say uh, that essentially it was at gunpoint. What what could they threaten Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin with that would get them not to tell the truth about what they saw?
1: Well, I think um, well, I mean,
0: I, Oh, you go I for it, Mike.
1: You. Sorry. Well, okay, I was just
0: gonna say I, I think it was more not so much their personal security as it was their families. I mean, there were there there were these security agreements and they were patriots. You have to understand these guys were test pilots. You know, there there isn't much true patriotism in this country anymore. But back in those days, these guys were absolutely dedicated and and the government asked them for the sake of humanity not to expose some of the things they've seen. Because remember, we were living in the the post Brookings Institute uh world where they had done this study right when NASA was commissioned that said, if you tell people that you run into aliens out there, or even if you find ruins of ancient alien bases, you're going to shatter the the very bricks that hold civilization together. So these guys were asked not to say anything. And and I think they didn't. You know, a lot of cases it was patriotism and maybe a little bit of fear, but there were... There were reasons why they did what they did. They were military men. And um, I think that's part of the reasons why they were selected.
1: I think, yeah, just to add to that, um, you know, you think it's really hard for people to imagine when you ask that question, Frank, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just say what they saw and and what they heard and experienced? And I, I think in today's day and age, 2023, we have all these pilots coming forward now you know both commercial and military uh navy men all kinds of personnel from uh the military world saying i saw something right it's cool it's legitimate it's something that's interesting to the public but back then there was a huge stigma you were labeled a a crackpot Literally, you were labeled as somebody that was not mentally competent. And um, there were certain things you just didn't discuss, UFOs and, you know, things that were not mainstream discussions like the Bible and, uh, you know, anything that was out of the ordinary was considered taboo. Well, that's that's not a. polite dinner talk, sir, or ma'am, let's, uh, let's stop discussing this. You're upsetting my wife, uh, whatever, you know what I mean? So this is the 1960s, right? Um, right up till 1969 is what I cover in this film. Um, you know, from the fifties with, uh, you know, the Gemini project was, what gave birth to the Apollo manned missions. And um, you just have to realize that time was so different. And on top of that, um, UFOs, if anybody is just a a, a small researcher on the subject, you realize this was a super classified subject back then in the military world, Uh, highly classified. This was more classified than the atomic bomb uh for based on what papers we've seen come out of um certain programs and 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 people have talked about since then we've had you know 75 years plus to study things regarding the secrecy of UFOs right and so when you add that complexity of that UFOs are a classified subject Um, And it's possibly destabilizing to the world paradigm, uh, you know, running on fossil fuels and so on and so forth, because it it begs the question, well, what are those things running Mm. on? Um, Well, then you really have to shut up. And I think when you're talking about these Navy and Air Force pilots, which all of the, you know, three of the pilots from the Apollo program were Air Force, the rest were Navy you're talking about guys were that were probably read into what was classified and what was not and you were debriefed and you were told never to talk about this stuff when you're doing your press tour and so they were really careful you know they looked very nervous when they landed post uh, Apollo 11 Uh, you know, and they literally say in their very first famous press conference, which I have clips of in the documentary, we're, we're going to do this a little bit differently. We're going to go off of most of the material that we've, uh, got in our slides presentation. Well, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just leave questions completely open to the world Mm. to ask, you know, like a real ask me anything AMA? They didn't want that. They wanted it to be more of a scripted conference because they wanted to only discuss certain things. And, uh, you know, I think that deeply disturbed Neil Armstrong because he was a highly intelligent, um, thought leader and he didn't talk to the press or public a lot. He kept very quiet probably because he didn't want to lie to them. Um, and arms, uh, you know, Buzz Aldrin. I think he has no qualms with lying to the, the press. I think he's a very intelligent, mentally hardened person. And uh, he knows he swore an oath, probably. And when it's not right to talk about these things, he's not going to talk about it. And he's going to debunk it or make it a joke whenever he can.
2: And so, and people just tuning in, uh, you've got to see uh, this uh, documentary, "Secret Space UFOs." Darcy Weir is here. Mark uh, Mike Barra is here. Let me ask you about someone that you guys do feature footage of in the documentary, and that is Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon. And it's clear, based on the footage, uh, mostly archival footage that you feature in the film, of Mitchell, that he was a believer in UFOs and the fact that they, there had been E.T. encounters with people on this planet. Why, in your view, uh, would Mitchell be so willing to talk about this openly, whereas the other Apollo astronauts would not?
0: Well, you know, Mitchell was interesting. I mean, the guy was born in Roswell, New Mexico. OK, so, mm. so this is a guy that, that's got this whole alien background thing. And, and I think that, you know, in his case, part of it was um, how do I get noticed? I mean, part of it was ego because he wanted to be different. He wanted to be the out there guy because, you know, everybody remembers Neil and Buzz. And, you know, how many people remember the Apollo 12 crew? Not very many. With Al Bean and Pete Conrad, but how many people remember the Apollo 14 crew? Al Shepard was part of it, and 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 Ed Mitchell was there. So I think there's that aspect to it. It's just normal human stuff. But he was into a lot of really esoteric stuff. He was into he did psychic experiments on the moon where he tried to project an image in his head, and he had a bunch. It was like one of the first remote viewing experiments,
2: wow. and he had a
0: bunch of friends on Earth in different places. Uh, you know, he said, as I particular time, I'm going to think about a certain thing and, and draw a picture of what you get. And, I, and I, f- I forget what it was, a bird or a flower or something, but everybody got the same thing. So he was um, he was very into this kind of stuff. And he was a guy that that uh, kind of went his own way, I think, in a way to make more of a name for himself, partly after he got back. And and because, you know, but he he was also very, very strongly against. The research that I've done, the research that people like Richard Hoagland have done, uh, Ken Johnson, some of the people that are in the, the documentary, you know, oh, there was nothing artificial there. We didn't see anything. And I, I think that was his programming. So in, in some ways, he was really out there. In other ways, he was very, um, very held back. But he was like a lot of the astronauts, you know, trying to get things out. And I mean, look at John Glenn. I mean, John Glenn had to go on an episode of Frasier and, and and speak into the camera You know, supposedly when nobody was paying attention and tell everybody the truth about how they saw UFOs in space and it terrified them and they saw them in their nightmares and all this stuff, which was, you know, completely out of context of the episode he was in and it wasn't funny on top of everything else. So these guys have all tried different ways to get the real story out in ways that wouldn't get them in trouble or break their NDAs.
2: Interesting. Uh, Absolutely interesting. Anything you would add there, um, Darcy?
1: Yeah, I think... Um, You know, Dr. Mitchell, what we did show in the documentary was his discussion with CNN regarding, you know, his work in trying to break the disclosure of UFOs around the world. Um, In that earlier interview, he was discussing how he went to the Pentagon uh, and he sat down with a high ranking military official. Um, and they debriefed him, they being Dr. Uh, Greer, Stephen Greer, who, you know, formed the Disclosure Project way back when, 2001. Um, and people allege even today that that briefing may or may not happen. But I don't think Edgar Mitchell would have lied about that. What happened after that briefing was uh, essentially that high-ranking military official I think it's Admiral Wilson, he chased up with, within the Pentagon uh, whether this secret special access UAP or UFO research program was really going on. Uh, and he got an answer that it was going on, but the personnel and the you know uh, military official that was running that said, you don't have the need to know. You don't have the access and kind of told them to buzz off right so that's an interesting story it's still going on today and edgar mitchell made it kind of his quest to you know be a speaking figure at all these conferences to do with ufos and such uh to try and push for disclosure from the government he rallied behind dr greer and gave him support and stuff and that that's pretty huge to have The fourth man, sorry, the sixth man, Apollo 14, um, to walk ever on the moon, back up your, you know, your theory that the government's holding back information or the military is holding back information about UFOs and UAP, which means we're not alone in the universe, somebody's visiting us here, right? The reason why I think he might have been a little bit more conservative about the moon stuff. You know mike kind of alluded that uh that might have been part of his programming so there's a working theory here that some it's possible that some astronauts were kind of hypnotized post missions to not speak about this stuff um and then there's others other astronauts that maybe that didn't really work on and those types of astronauts would include maybe buzz aldrin who's just too mentally fit to to be you know hypnotized Hmm. into doing anything so they're just threatened you know so there's a there's kind of like a mix a melange of tactics to make sure that this information doesn't get out from these you know uh extremely provocative adventurers that most people in the world look up to and if these adventurers speak out about certain things most people take it seriously right so anyways i think in a certain way that programming kind of failed with edgar because he ended up latching onto the ufo subject which is directly related right and um And he wanted to be an advocate for that, to to be out there in the public, for people to know about it.
2: Uh, Lastly, gentlemen, and and there's a lot that we haven't gotten to, especially as it relates to uh, lunar objects and things of that nature. But um, there are a lot of skeptics that are going to be listening to us right now. And uh, saying that um, you guys are essentially trying to make money by the public's fascination (laughs) with this, uh, making movies and writing books on this subject and pushing, pushing a false narrative and a false science address the skeptics in our audience that might believe that.
0: Well, there's always going to be a bunch of jealous people who aren't on TV and don't write books and don't have people, you know, listen to them speak that are jealous of you and there's nobody who's got a better life than you do. Who's jealous of you like that, you know, who, who who doesn't say those kinds of things, but it's like, there's no, there's no money in this business for, for guys like me to speak of, Unless your unless your name is Eric Von Daniken or David Ike, you're not making very much money doing these conferences and stuff. It's uh it's something you do because you care about getting the truth out. Mm. And so, you know, my response to, to those people is get a life. Will you?
1: i would i would add yeah like you know i've spoken once at a conference uh it was ufo mega conference in the middle of covid 2021 it was a horrible experience uh loved the conference runners loved the fact that they they invited me but i actually spent my time on stage speaking about a previous documentary that i did where i was trying to debunk the very central figure to Mm. that documentary, his name's Phil Schneider. I was basically saying to the crowd, this guy wasn't legit, but his story was provocative. And that's why I became a documentary filmmaker because I wanted to follow these provocative stories and see if there was any truth to them, right? Uh, So I am not out here to make a big buck. I'm, I'm not holding... And I got paid 500 bucks to speak at that conference and, you know, took the worst flights of my life. Uh, But basically, (laughs) I'm not trying to say I'm I'm not becoming a millionaire off of this documentary either. You know, the few people that reach out to me after watching the doc and say, whoa, I learned a lot that I didn't know before. And there were things that I knew before that, you know, you actually shocked me and showed even more those people reaching out to me, that's who I do it for people that like want to learn about this stuff. And I'm not doing, I'm not like, yeah, everybody's got to make a fucking living. Everybody's got to make a living. Right. Um, you know, whether you're shoveling SH or you're writing a book, I'm not going to like be mean to people for shoveling SH. Um, I'll leave them alone. I'm actually doing work here. You know, I'm sorry. take two minutes to make this.
2: I have to run. I hope everybody checks out uh, the documentary Secret Space UFOs, Apollo 1 through 11. It's available on Amazon. My lone complaint about this documentary, and people will see it, is that I didn't get to narrate it. I'm telling you, if there's a sequel <laughs> chronicling the secret space program after 1969, I want to throw my hat in the ring to narrate this one. Uh, Heck yeah. The narrator did a fine job, but uh, I was envious that I didn't get to participate. Thank you, gentlemen. Good luck with the documentary. Thanks, uh, Frank. Is uh, secret space UFOs, available on Amazon, highly recommend. You want to comment, you can. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
0: The other side at midnight. midnight.